Welcome back. I'm Daryl Hook, producer of Life Shouldn't Hurt, a weekly show in which physiotherapist Grant Fedorik talks with other medical professionals about developments in their field and what those developments mean to you. Today, Grant's guest is Dr. Brock Debenham, a radiation oncologist who is here to discuss advancements in cancer treatment. All the time I've known you, and we've had these conversations about the world and how we can make it better, but I, I don't know what a day looks like. I, I, I don't know exactly what you do. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't, and uh, often people don't know what a radiation oncologist is or what they do, and often we're, we're mistaken for our colleagues that look at uh, x-rays and CT scans, radiologists. They think we're just a, another type of radiologist, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a cancer doctor that focuses on giving uh, patients radiation treatment. Okay, and so what kind of patients are crossing your threshold? Who, who are you seeing exactly? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? So radiation oncologists see pretty much all cancers from lung cancer, prostate cancer, breast cancer, all the big uh, big uh, cancer sites. I specifically focus on lung cancer and uh, head and neck cancer, so cancers of the throat and tongue, things like that. Got you. And it's not just diagnosis. Or, and does it include the diagnosis as well, or is it primarily on the treatment side? Yeah, primarily it's on the treatment side. So oftentimes cancer patients are diagnosed by their their family doctors or, you know, if they get them into the hospital, um, the doctors there uh, diagnose them and then they send them over to the cross cancer for treatment. So they come to you and you sit down across the table from them. What, what does the process look like? Let's, let's talk about somebody who's been diagnosed with a head and neck cancer. What does that look like exactly? So are we, are we talking about throat cancer? We're talking about what are the various cancers that are in that world of head and neck? Uh, it's such a, I mean, it's a lot of area there. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big area. It's not one that people commonly think about. You know, I have a cancer of my tongue. It's not something that you know you might talk to your your friend about. But yeah, it could involve anything from the cancer from the back of the nose, uh, the back of the throat, like your where your vocal cords are, um, and even the area where where you uh, you swallow your your something called the hypopharynx. So all these kind of different uh, sites that we don't normally talk about. Um, but when I when I Patients diagnosed with a head and neck cancer, um, oftentimes I'll meet with a surgeon first and talk to them about uh, possible surgical options for their um, their cancer. And then the surgeons will send them over to us to talk about possible radiation options. And then we also get our uh, other colleagues involved, the medical oncologists who deal with chemotherapy and immunotherapy and those types of treatments. So it's not always surgery. So in my mind, I would have thought as soon as you're diagnosed with something like that, it's got to be come out, you know, so you've got to take it away. That's not the case. Yeah, there's there's lots of options. Yeah, certainly I, I think surgery is the most common thing that people think about when they think about, you know, I have a cancer, I have to get it out. Uh, but oftentimes we can use non-surgical therapies to try and um, maintain function or, um, you know, make it a less um, difficult procedure for a patient. So for head and neck cancers, most of them can be cured with uh, radiation and chemotherapy. And then there's lots of other common cancers too, like prostate cancer uh, that can be just treated with radiation alone and, and a curative treatment. Are you in that world as well? Are you treating the the prostate surgeries or the, sorry, the prostate cancers as well? No, I have some good colleagues that deal with that, but uh, my, my world is really the uh, the head and neck and the, and the lungs. So I always say I don't do anything kind of below the waist. Fair enough. And for those listening, I, I, as soon as somebody talks, starts talking about prostate cancer, it's one that's 
close to me because my dad obviously mm-hmm. or people who know me know my dad went through it and unfar- unfortunately not the best outcome but let's go right to that because i know this this puts a smile on my face outcomes have gone through the are so much better today um than they were yesterday is the Absolutely. stat not something like 70% of of people diagnosed with cancer survive cancer now yeah I, you know there's been a, a tremendous advance in uh, cancer treatments and you know, also, I mean, not just on the radiation side of things where we have a lot of new technology. Uh, you might hear at the University of Alberta Hospital, there's something called a gamma knife unit, which, you know, treats very precise brain, you know, for brain tumors. Um, you know, we have fancy new radiation machines. There's just a, there was a new uh, machine uh, just developed at the cross cancer called the MR Linac. Um, so a lot of new technology on the radiation side of things, which helps uh, uh, advance um, cure rates. And then on the on the you know, we call systemic therapy or drug treatment. There's a lot of new therapies out, targeted therapies, immunotherapies, so treatments that weren't available 10 years ago that have really improved um, cure rates for patients, allowing patients to live longer. Um, and a lot of these treatments have a lot less side effects than, than, than typical chemotherapies. Yeah, that's where I was going to go too, because I, even going back not too long ago, radiation, I mean, why not, why not tell everybody... What exactly is the radiation doing? Because I'm picturing, of course, you know, the Incredible Hulk sort of a thing. And I don't think that's, you're not getting blasted with these, you know, and you're not going to turn green. But nonetheless, we are exposing the body to something that is trying to, you know, obviously alter that cancer outcome. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we aren't we aren't turning people green, but we certainly <laughs> are blasting them with uh, x-rays. So uh, high energy x-rays. Um, and they're very focused on the the cancer um, where the cancer is, so it uh, it essentially damages the cancer cells so that they can't replicate anymore. And when they can't replicate anymore, they die off. And thankfully, your body's healthy tissues are able to kind of repair themselves from the from the radiation damage that might occur around the tumor, whereas the tumor will die off. Um, and that's how you can get rid of the cancer with radiation treatment. And and am I right in saying that it's no longer, the, as far as the adverse effects, how would you describe the adverse effects pre- prior to today's technology and what people would now face? You know, so I, I think one of the things I'm trying, I, I would love to get across to people is that advance in science and, and medicine has come so far and it's going in the direction of, Let's let's solve the the problem, but also let's mitigate the damage done by this by the cure. Am mm-hmm. I am I speaking? Yeah, I know that's exactly that's exactly right. You know, um, in the past when you used to give radiation, you couldn't really target it. I remember when I started training as a resident and as a medical student, you would have an X ray up on the board and you would kind of draw out where you wanted to aim the radiation, and it was just kind of beam going in that way and a beam coming in and out the other way, and you're hitting all the tissue in between, so you're really not targeting the tumor, you're kind of hitting everything in the path. And so you're going to get a lot more side effects that way. Whereas now with our radiation machines, you're treating the the patient from every angle. So there's a machine that actually rotates around the patient. It's delivering radiation from every angle and really focusing on the tumor. So it's not that you get rid of all side effects, um, but certainly when you look um, you know, from 20 years ago to now, patients who may be treated for the same cancer will have you know, less severe long-term side effects. So, you know, in the head and neck world, we talk about, you know, a lot of patients get, you know, um, really dry mouth after radiation. And it used to be a lot worse in the past, whereas now you still might get a little bit of dry mouth, but it's not as bad 
as you might have had before. Gotcha. What causes the dry mouth? Is that just is that just the effect of the actual radiation on the sal? Is it the salivary, salivary glands? Gland? Yeah. So you have some big glands in your your cheeks, your prostaglands, and your something called your semimandibular glands just below your jawline there. And so in the past, again, you couldn't you couldn't um, you couldn't avoid these with the radiation. To get to the tumor, you'd have to go right through them. Whereas now we can we we call it um, kind of cut around it, so you can kind of form the beam around. Uh, so that you're not uh, hitting those uh, glands as much as you used to in the past, and so patients get less side effects. What other what other areas do you see less side effects for them around the head and neck? Um, yeah, so that's a good question. So a swallowing function would be a, another one. Um, you know, again, in the past, you used to damage the patient's swallowing muscles with radiation treatment, and now again, we can can avoid that. Um, and a lot of other tumor sites, for instance, prostate cancer, again, a common one. Um, we are able to, um, you know, avoid a patient's bladder more than they could in the past. A patient's, uh, um, uh, for instance, their, their rectum, which no one likes to talk about, but, it, you know, it's right there. On this show, we're going to be talking yeah. about it, so don't yeah. get too uncomfortable. Yeah, so in the past, you might get a lot of bleeding from your rectum after prostate cancer, not so much anymore. And then, again, another common cancer, breast cancer, um, you know, patients with a, used to have a left-sided, um, you know, someone who has cancer in their left breast, when you used to give them radiation afterwards, you'd invariably catch part of their heart. Mm. And so, you know, 20 years down the road, those women are going to be at an increased risk of having a heart attack. Whereas now um, they can use different things. So they actually get a patient to take a deep breath in before they get their radiation. It kind of moves their heart away. Um, and um, and then you can deliver the radiation and kind of avoid their heart. And so less heart toxicity. So all these neat little things that we can do now that uh, we couldn't do 20 years. It's mind-blowing to me, and I got so many. I'm lined up with questions for you. I could just probably rapid-fire them, but we got to go for a break here. We'll be right back with Life Shouldn't Hurt here on the radio, Chorus Radio Network. Welcome back to Life Shouldn't Hurt with host Grant Fedorik. I'm producer Daryl Hook. Today, Grant is talking to radiation oncologist Dr. Brock Debenham about advancements in cancer treatment and potential warning signs that you may want to know about. Now, it, when we when we went into break, we were talking about some of the side effects and and the amazing technology today that can obviously lessen it. But I think I think it's poignant and, and important to get into what brings people to you in the first place. And and it always blows me away. It's the question I always ask people when they tell me I had cancer or I went through this. And I, I, the first question I always ask. What made you? What made you go to the doctor? What made you think that this there might be something wrong? And I, I assume you you bump into this all the time. Yeah, and I, you know I think patients just know that something just isn't right most of the time, um, and and oftentimes they are hesitant to seek medical care. But I think you know if you feel like something just isn't right, you know I'm you know losing weight or I have the sore spot or pain that just won't go away. It's a uh, you know, good idea to go see your family doctor or or, or walking clinic, whatever you have available to you, to get that checked out. Yeah. Now, in in your world, though, specifically, like, what are what would people be looking out for? What are things we talked about on our previous show? One I always bring up: we look for uh, when a patient comes to us. Have you lost unexpected weight loss? Not I've I've been exercising and grueling away, and I've lost twenty pounds. That's great, by the way. If you're out there doing that, keep doing it. But it's the, I haven't been doing anything different. And I look in the mirror and I stepped on a scale and I'm 20 pounds down. But there's more than that. Yeah. So for 
for in my world, the head and neck cancer world, you know, patients will notice a sore on their tongue that just doesn't go away. So you think, oh, maybe I have a canker sore. It, it just doesn't get better. So people end up going seeing their dentist or their family doctor. Or, you know, when you get sick with a cold, sometimes you get a sore throat or you get a lump in your, you know, a, a large lymph node in your neck. And, you know, normally those go away with just a, you know, if you have a cold, if they don't go away, then that's something that you have to worry about. So, you know, if you feel like there's a marble in your neck, that's something to worry about. If you have a sore on your tongue that doesn't go away, that's something to worry about. If you have a sore throat that's causing your voice to, to you know, be hoarse, um, especially if you've had a smoking history, you want to go get that checked out. Uh, as well from your by your doctor. Now I'm I'm curious about the like it's not just a horse we all get a horse voice after a cold and stuff but it persists. That's right. Is that right? That's right and 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 it's like you've lost your voice so it's that uh you know you know when you're yelling at your your spouse or your your kid and you just can't do it like you couldn't before that's uh is something to go get. Now will it come back? Will your voice come back and then you'll lose it easily or is it it just goes away and it it's not away. coming back? That's right. So it goes away and it's it's not coming back. And what what's causing that? So oftentimes it's a, a like a mass on your vocal cord and the vocal cord just can't move like it it should or sometimes it's even paralyzed so it can't move at all. Oh, really? And then, and so that person comes to you and, and obviously you do all the amazing things you do to figure it out. Are there other things that are there? What about unusual things that, uh, that have, you just, you know, I think we all have them in our world, right? Somebody just said something and you, and, and a bell goes off. Are there, are there those? Yeah. You know, again, I think for, for each different type of cancer that's out there, there are these kind of weird and, and unusual things, but again, for, for, for the vast majority of people, again, it's things that are really, you know, out of the ordinary. So, you know, you might you might have some blood in your urine. That's something to worry about. You might have some blood in your stool. That's something to worry about. You know, you're coughing up blood. That's something to worry about. You know, you have a, a lump that shows up in a place that there shouldn't, there wasn't a lump there before. That's something to worry about and you want to get checked out. So, again, I always tell people that it's better to be, uh, you know, better to err on the side of caution and get things checked out. It's, you know, it's, if it's nothing, that's great. If it's something you want to get it looked at quickly. And I think when we were talking off air, uh, just in between, and I think it's important, uh, this has been my experience because we've had cancer in our family. It's sometimes you have to be persistent too. I think that, uh, and I'm sure you could speak to this. Sometimes you go get checked and they say you're fine. But if it's that if you think, and you said it, and I, I think it's better coming from you, if you just think there's something wrong and you're sure, or you're not sure, but it's persisting and it's niggling, am I right? That's something you should persist and go back and ask again? Yeah, yeah definitely. You have to be your own best advocate. And again, you know, if, if there's something that is not going away on its own, oftentimes you'll say, you know, if you have a sore throat, it should go in a couple of weeks. If it doesn't, you know, come back and see me. You know, you, you need to... You know, if there's something there that's bothering you, that's that's still bothering you, you know, a couple of weeks after, you should go get that checked out. And again, um, not everyone has access to a family doctor these days, um, but there are other resources out there. You know, again, walk-in clinics, you know, we have our, our clinic that we might talk about after that p- patients can go to. Um, so there's lots of different options that people can do. Well, why talk about it after? I think it's just as good a segue just to even talk about it now. What does that look like? Yeah, so we have a, a community cancer clinic called Canadian Cancer Care where patients can self-refer. They don't need a referral and they can be checked by a cancer specialist. So if they're, they need cancer screening or they're worried that they have a cancer, again, no access to a family doctor, 
they can come see us there and we can look we can uh, check them out and make sure everything's okay. Right. So what does that look like? How do they get in touch with you for those that are listening and they're wondering, you know, somebody's sitting out there and uh, I mean, what better way to have a show than if, if even one person makes that phone call and, and uh, we, we solve or can get to the bottom of their problem. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's, there's different ways people can do it. If people want to give us a call, uh, our phone number is 780-306-5656. Or they can go on our website, CanadianCancerCare.com, and they can actually book an appointment directly on the website without having to talk to anyone. So there's um, lots of different ways to do it. And the most important thing is, again, that, that you, you're able to access the services that you need in a timely manner. Yeah, and I think that's the moral of the story. It's that if you're, if you're not sure or if something seems off, it's worth you know, following it to the, all the way. And I think one of the things that I've noticed, um, especially during covid there, there was a big drop off in people's. Uh, they, they didn't want to. They didn't want to burden the system, or so many different excuses came out as a result of that. And I, I know one of the messages we kept saying is, "No, you're. This is what your doctors are there for. Exactly this, and uh, that's what you should be doing." I, I'm not sure if you found the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I think we saw certainly a drop off in the number of cases being diagnosed than than we know there should have been during COVID times and. I think things are picking up now, but it's still important that, you know, people go for their cancer screening for, you know, colon cancer, breast cancer, um, for certain people, lung cancer, um, and, um, and cervical cancer in women. Uh, so those things are all important. And again, the, the, the earlier you catch these things, the higher chance you're able to cure, uh, cure these cancers. Is that, is that, are you seeing an uptick in that? Is that coming back? I still, I was just reading the newspaper today and I still see that they're down still than they were pre-pandemic levels. Uh, so I think there's still work to do in that area. Well, we got, uh, we've got like 90 seconds and I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the, the hardest question. And I think that would be, I'm sitting across from you and I, I like to live a life, healthy lifestyle, but uh, I would love you to share some of the optimism if I'm, if I un, unfortunately have a cancer diagnosis, what have I got to look forward to? Is there hope? Yeah, you know, again, I always tell patients, even in the most dire situation, so even in cancers that we can't cure, you know, we have treatments available, support available to make, um, you know, life, quality of life better, quality of life more, and, and more time to spend with your friends and family and loved ones. So, um, again, we're doing really good on the curates. So those are improving, but for people that we can't cure, there's still lots of uh, great things in, in that area. What's uh, what's tomorrow morning look like for you? You wake up in the morning and you oh. head into the hospital, or yeah, we have a uh, we have what we call tumor board at at seven thirty a.m. So that's where I'll be bright and early at seven thirty a.m. Well, I can't tell you how lucky we are that uh, we got to share this time with you today, and and I think that. Uh, what you're doing out there is making a difference, and that's what this whole show is about. It's called Life Shouldn't Hurt, but I think it does, unfortunately, sometimes. But with uh, amazing people like you out there, we can maybe make it a little better. So thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. If you have questions or topic requests for future shows, send them to info at leadingedgephysio.com. This has been Life Shouldn't Hurt on the Chorus Radio Network.